0: Hey, I'm Emily with the Limitless Female Podcast. You are listening to episode 20, Emotionally Empty. Woman, welcome. If you're a mama who is feeling all the feels of motherhood, the ups and downs of hormones, and maybe even depression, then you are in the right place. Limitless Female is your confident inner voice helping you master your mood and create the epic life that calls you. My goal is to show you just how enough you are, so you can show up limitless in your own life. Let's get started. Hi, girlfriends! Welcome to the Limitless Female Podcast. I am Emily McIntyre. If you guys are new to the podcast, welcome. We love having you here. Um, I am a life coach for mamas who are have depression or have in the past had depression or are experiencing any bout of depression. That is what I do. Today, I wanna talk about something that I feel like I have felt in the past that I've noticing in other women and men who go through depression, and that's feeling emotionally empty. And sometimes when I first say that, our first reaction is, what are you talking about? Depression is so much emotion. It's feeling so down. It's feeling so lost, lonely, disconnected. And I totally have felt all those feelings. But there's this part of depression that feels emotionally empty. Like very apathetic. And if you've ever been on a medication that kind of took away your depression but kind of left you with a lack of joy, maybe you know what I'm talking about. This emotionally empty place. And not just medication but Our life has set us up to be emotionally bankrupt or emotionally empty. It has set us up to seek ease and comfort and to show strength and self-sufficiency, but at the cost of being an emotionally capable adult. We do all of these things. We seek comfort. We show our strength. We try to be a sufficient and strong and capable person, and we lose our ability to feel, to manage our emotions, to do things that might cause emotion. We avoid emotion, and we become an emotionally empty person. Now, what we do instead of filling up our emotional bucket and becoming very good at experiencing emotion, is we do. We get really good at our capacity to do And we stop filling our bucket with emotions. And you guys can probably relate that whenever there's a problem in your life, like your kids are fighting or you're struggling with depression or dinner time is getting too crazy and you call it the witching hour, you try to do something, right? It sounds like... The right action, right? Of course, well, what else would you do? You have to do something, right? I even said in my sentence, "What else would you do? That's our go-to, is to do something different. So right away, I know with me when I'm having a down day or experiencing a little bit of depression, I'm just not feeling like I can take action, you know what I do? I do something. I go to the gym to try to pick up my mood. I call a friend. I even read my scriptures. All of these are good things. Okay, all of them are good things and we can do those things. But what about our ability and willingness to feel? Because when we jump right to the doing, we miss the part of awareness and we miss the part of practicing feeling our feelings because life is made up of feelings. Everything you guys choose to do or not do, is because you're trying to avoid or seek a particular feeling. Can you guys think of something in your life that you've wanted, that you've gone after, and it never really was that thing that you wanted, right? It was what you thought that particular thing would make you feel. So if you wanted to accomplish something, to do a triathlon, it wasn't necessarily the triathlon. It's because who you thought you would feel like and be when the race was over, right? And if you've people-pleased your husband and stayed up late with him, even though you didn't want to, it was because of what you thought you could make him feel and what you thought you could avoid feeling by staying up late, right? If I stay up late, then I won't have to feel guilty about going to bed before my husband, So everything we do is to avoid or seek an emotion. Now, if we don't get really good at experiencing and describing and identifying emotion, then we are an emotionally bankrupt person, which most of us are, to be honest. If you think about the conversations that you have with your girlfriends or your spouse, how many emotional words do you use in those conversations? Do you offer up that you are lonely or that you are uncomfortable, or you feel distance? Do you tell them that you feel overwhelmed or shy or any other emotional word? Because when I ask my clients, what emotion did you feel when you thought that particular sentence? They usually give me another sentence. Okay, so here's an example. When a client has the thought, I'm unlovable. And I say, when you think that thought, I'm unlovable, how do you feel? They usually respond with a sentence like, people just don't care about me. And I say, okay, but when you think the thought, I'm unlovable, what emotion comes up for you? And then they say again, another sentence like, well, my husband just doesn't show me that he cares. And so I just think I'm unlovable. It's really hard for us to identify what we're feeling and instead we're very aware of what we think other people are doing and what another thought is that we might have because we have a lot of thoughts, right? We have like 60,000 a day. We have a lot of thoughts. But if we can get better at pinpointing our emotions, there's so many amazing things in store for us. Now, if you guys have a second right now, I want you to write down all the emotional words that you can think of how big is your emotional vocabulary and just start writing them okay i would be surprised if you had more than 25 emotional words in your vocabulary feel free even to take a minute and pause the podcast and write down just as many emotional words as you can think of okay now that you've done that i want to list off like 25 that may not have been on your list i just want to show you that our emotional vocabulary is really limited, which also makes it really hard to identify how we are feeling. So here's some that maybe you didn't think of. Energized, grounded, harmonious, fragile, friendly, distrustful, constructive, authentic, appalled, carefree glaring, vulnerable, victimized, scornful, perplexed, petrified, loved, misgiving, mournful, nervous, reliable. Those are all emotions, okay? Those are all emotional things that you have felt, I promise you, at some time. But if we can't describe them, identify them, we lose some power. I think about this story with my little one. He's my third. His name is Lennon. He is the cutest little thing on the planet. He is so strong and willful and he'll take care of business. If I don't pay attention, he'll just go get things done. You know, he'll go unlock the door or walk across the street or whatever without telling me because he doesn't wait for me to fix things or get things done. He just does them. And I always said he has honey in his veins because he is just the sweetest, most huggy, most complimentary little kid. And I love his guts. And when he was little, um, he was still in his crib and I started laying him down and he would not stay in his crib. He was climbing out. So I started going in there and sitting in the rocking chair with my back towards him and letting him just scream and cry. And anytime he would climb out, I would just put him back in, sit back in his chair and turn around. Well, eventually he started thrashing around or like he would climb and get so tired and then let go and his chin would hit the crib and he would get like a cut on his chin or I'd be going to put him in there and he would just throw his body and like hit his back on the crib and we were just so stressed out. We even went on that Sunday to um, like a baby's RS and we tried to find that old school Like net you put over your crib, which is totally not there anymore because it's discontinued, which makes sense. (laughs) But I was like, we were so desperate. We were like, we need him to stay in his crib because we just, he was so little and we didn't know what to do. And that week I made a doctor's appointment and I was thinking maybe it's something behavioral. Maybe he's struggling. And I just felt so lost. And we went to the doctor's office and she said, Without any judgment, which I so appreciate as a mom, <laughs> she said, your son has a double ear infection. And I think one of them had even burst. His eardrum had burst. And after feeling totally horrible and her telling me it's, it's not your fault and me believing I should have known, I realized that you can have so much power in knowing, in identifying what's going on. Right. As soon as I knew that it was an ear infection, I knew exactly what medication to give him. I felt so much more in control. And it's really interesting because we didn't keep doing what we were doing. Even though fixing his ears would allow him to just stay there, we decided we'll let him crawl out. We'll lock the door from the outside. We'll take everything off the walls so he can't get hurt. And he'll have that hour downtime, you know. But all of a sudden, there was so much peace in identifying what was wrong even without all the solutions yet, there was peace. And from peace, we were able to take action and help my little guy. And I think it's like that with our emotions. Even with depression and anxiety, I have found that when I can identify that feeling, I no longer need somebody else to take ownership for why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I used to feel like I wanted to blame people and I wanted them to apologize, so that I could feel better because I was just feeling so awful. And now I can tell my husband, no, 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 I'm just feeling anxiety. And he'll say, well, what can I do? And I say, nothing. It literally is not caused by anything, by anybody, but I still get to validate my feelings because sometimes we think that if it's our fault, if nothing outside of us is creating it, then they're not valid, but it's not true. They're absolutely valid, right? Even if your brain is creating an emotion, it's absolutely valid. It still feels the same. So we can totally validate how we feel and honor that and be like, hey, I'm feeling some anxiety right now. There's nothing wrong with me and it's okay. But nobody else has to fix it for me. And the amazing thing is, even though depression and anxiety are coming from our brain, guess what? So is every other emotion that we feel right? Frustration, anger, resentment, all of that is also coming from our brain. And so we get to feel validated and be like, yes, I do feel resentful, right? This is a real feeling I'm feeling. It's very uncomfortable and I'm feeling very mad and we can stay feeling resentful if we want, but we get to totally own that feeling and feel valid in it. The best part though, is that we get to decide when we're done feeling resentment, knowing that it's our brain creating it, right, identifying it. And here's one of the best parts, is that when we expand our emotional vocabulary and our ability to feel rather than just do, it grows on both ends. Like if you guys can imagine a tape measure, as I pull it out of the tape measure, the high numbers grow, right? Like we see that high number continue to come out. But so do the lower numbers. Right? So as we get to 33, one, two, three, all the lower numbers grow, right? And our emotions are the same. As we experience more joy, we will also feel the contrast and experience more, quote, "negative emotion," if you can call it that. right? Maybe fear, because we're doing something that's bigger that creates more excitement, that has more promise and possibility, yeah, there's going to be more fear there, right? When we have another baby, the promise and expectation of joy is so intense, but so is the fear when we have that new baby. And that's totally understandable, but it's good. We want to be emotionally full. It creates a rich and amazing life for us. My friend and fellow coach, Gave me an awesome analogy today. She said that our emotions and our life is like a roller coaster. And we would not enjoy it if it was steady. We also would not enjoy it if it was linear, like straight all the way up and then straight all the way down, right? It is the bumps, it's the highs and lows that really make it enjoyable like we are scared on a roller coaster. <laughs> when we think about the emotions we feel on a roller coaster, it is not joy all the way through. Because we actually enjoy experiencing what we call negative emotion. It's the highs, it's the contrast that's so exhilarating. And that's why I don't even think we can call things negative emotion and positive emotion. We enjoy feeling fear. We enjoy feeling uncomfortable. And surprised, all those feelings that you feel on a roller coaster, which don't end at joy, right? Today, I was coached um, from my coach, Chantel Allen, on anxiety. And first of all, we identified something pretty neat that my anxiety was coming from my belief that all these things outside of me were creating that feeling of anxiety and overwhelm, like my life, right? And when I felt overwhelmed or anxiety, my go-to was to watch TV. And I was really frustrated because I felt like TV keeps taking over from the things I really want to do. Like, I felt like I was watching against my will. Can you guys relate? Sometimes I do this with chocolate too. But it was this buffer that I felt like I couldn't get rid of. And all I really wanted to do was sit down and write my podcast or read a really important book or um, – connect with a friend but instead I really felt like I had to watch tv and what she said was anxiety and overwhelm are like bullies like of course I don't want to feel it instead I want to buffer with tv when I feel anxiety and overwhelm right like not even to mention that my life was not creating that it was my thoughts but just the part where I'm feeling anxiety and overwhelm and in order to avoid that I watch tv It's like a bully, right? Of course I don't want to sit and hang out with this bully. Of course I don't want to make friends with anxiety and overwhelm. And so I'm like as quick as possible trying to turn off that emotion and zone out, which I think a lot of moms can relate to. In the name of self-care, we're like, let's zone out and not feel this feeling. But it's at the expense of the greater, better, more joyful things in my life. And it's just prolonging this feeling of overwhelm because I'm still not getting the things done that I really want to do. And she said that in order to make friends with a bully, you're going to have to get to know it. You're going to have to understand it. And that looks like sitting with it and allowing it, right? Allowing an emotion is when we stop getting in our head about why we think we're feeling it, right? The kids and the TV and the long to-do list that we think is creating our overwhelm and anxiety, get out of our head, stop thinking that, get into our body about what does anxiety and overwhelm feel like in our body. And when I process emotion with my clients, I ask them, where do you feel it in your body? Where is it centered? Where does it call home? Is it in your chest, in your hands, is it in your head, is it in your stomach? Okay, so we identify that it's anxiety, we find its home, and then we start describing it. Right? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it heavy? Would it be sticky or slimy or thick? Would it be spiky? Like, if it was a shape, what shape would it be? Like, could you hold it in front of you? Would it be too heavy? what color would you give it? I love this exercise. And she told me, it's going to be hard to feel anxiety, just like it's hard to make friends with a bully. But in order to do that, you have to get to know what it feels like. And I'm really looking forward to working on this and to showing myself just how innocent and capable I am of feeling anxiety and how innocent anxiety is, right? It's just an emotion. It's just a vibration in my body. And so I love the idea that we increase our emotional vocabulary and then we can identify how we're feeling. Instead of just doing, we stop, we identify it, and then we get to know those emotions by processing them. And instead of just Moving on and watching TV or doing something else, right, to fix the problem. Let's just get to know this bully in our life that's been pushing us around and let's get to know it so that it's not so scary anymore. Because here's what happens when you get to know a bully, right? We find out why they're actually bossing us around and being mean. And it never comes from a place of confidence, it always comes from insecurity. Hurt people. Hurt people, right? So the bully never ends up being as scary as you think it is. When you get to know the bully, they are just a person like you. They are a sweet kid who is struggling, who has their own challenges. And I think it's like that when we get to know those emotions that are really uncomfortable to feel, they don't seem so scary anymore. It's like, oh, anxiety is just like a flutter in my stomach. And I've described it as in an elevator falling where your stomach is just kind of hanging. And I pointed out that I actually have ridden rides on purpose to feel like that, right? And so what if I could just allow and get to know this feeling of anxiety so that I could have less fear around it and stop rerouting my life to avoid it? All right, you guys, I hope this podcast helped you. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Please leave comments. And if you love the podcast... I would so appreciate you leaving a review below. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. If you have questions about anything you've learned here on the podcast or want help with something going on in your own life, hop on a free coaching call with me. In just 30 minutes, you'll have real tools for your unique situation. Go to LimitlessFemaleCoaching.com forward slash work with me or you can find a link in the show notes below. Spots are limited, so grab one before you miss it.